everybody, it's Zach. Just before we get the show going, we do have a new sponsor. It is BetUS.com. Some great bonuses. You can bet on anything. They've got Major League Baseball, NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, UFC, NHL, PGA, and they got uh, betting lines on all of them. And you can actually, uh, there's also live betting uh, as well. Uh, you can find them at BetUS.com. That's B-E-T-U-S.com. Or you can call 800 792 3887 uh, that's 800-79-BET-US, and you can use our promo code. The promo code is the Zone 125 the Zone 125 And now, our show. In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. I'm Zach Heilprin. He is Jesse Temple, and football is very, very near. Badgers can get it going on Friday, and they'll have their media day on Thursday. And we'll get to see about a half an hour of practice, that, that first practice, and then we'll do another episode. So as I said in our last podcast, we're going to be doing a couple episodes a week throughout the season. We'll be posting one on Monday mornings and posting one on Friday mornings. Uh, it may differ during camp depending on – you know, when we get to see practice and that type of stuff. But uh, again, it'll be twice a week throughout the entire football season. Uh, As we do get here into football, I figured it was worthwhile to do this episode about fall camp and previewing fall camp. I mean, we've, we've talked about a whole bunch of different things, you know, on that last episode down at Big Ten Media Days. But I think it just, you know, we've seen everybody doing their position by position previews. Here's a verbal version of that so jesse we'll start uh uh with the quarterbacks obviously and it's the position that you know no matter what team you're looking at everyone's looking at it and at wisconsin that's certainly no different and especially with graham mertz coming off a season that had some very high highs and some very low lows when you are getting ready for for friday's practice and and seeing graham what uh what goes through your mind I expect him to continue the improvement that he showed in the spring. And I know it's tough to judge because the quarterbacks can't get hit, but just the fact that he's got a full complement of offensive players and the stuff that he talked about when we had an opportunity to speak to him in the spring about what he looked at in the off season, and he felt like he wanted to improve his footwork and, and the steps on his drop. And when he releases the ball, he looked at all the throws after, after last season. And, you know, there were obviously a lot of circumstances around that. We learned after the season that he was dealing with a shoulder injury and didn't have Danny Davis or Kendrick Pryor. And a lot of times the guys they were throwing in there barely had played. <laughs> That's kind of how they got the experience was late in the season. So I, uh, we know how confident he is. We know how well he can throw a ball. It's just putting it all together and having the players that he needs around him. And so that's why I expect him to make a big jump this season. Which Mertz do you think is closer to the reality of who Graham is as a quarterback? Is it Illinois or Northwestern? Which one is he closer to in your mind? Well, it's hard to say he can be the Illinois Illinois guy consistently because he was damn near perfect. If it weren't for a, a Groshek drop, he would have been perfect. Um, but between the two, I'd, I'd like to think he's closer to the version uh, – in the opener than, than what he was against Northwestern simply because of, you know, the experience that he'll have from starting all seven games last season. And like I said, that the players that he'll have an opportunity to throw to if Jake Ferguson is fully healthy and he dealt with some ailments last season and obviously Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis, and you've got what appears to be a deeper wide receiver core. uh, I, I think 
if I had to pick, it would be closer toward Illinois, which basically means he'll be one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I don't know where you would rank him at this point. To me, the big question, and I know we'll get into it, is what does Wisconsin have at running back? What does that even look like? Because we know how good they've been at that position for so many years, but they've got to have both in order for Graham to be at his best. Yeah, no doubt, for sure. Uh, So we're also going to do our pre-camp depth chart, and I know that I I kind of sprung that in you. I didn't tell you about it, but you're no worries. We've been cover this team every day. So yeah, you're a very, you're a very resourceful fella. So you'll uh, get this pretty quickly, but I think the quarterback depth chart's very, very easy. You don't need any, you don't need to go back and look at anything from the spring. It's Graham Mertz. It's Chase Wolf. It's Danny Vandenboom. And then it's Deacon Hill, right? That's how I see it as, as well. Um, I mean, Deacon has a lot of talent, but hasn't played a snap, hasn't practiced yet for Wisconsin. And the other three guys have been in the program for multiple years. So we saw Chase come in in a backup scenario last season. Um, and, and I think it's pretty easy. This this might be one of the easiest to project into all positions. Yeah, no, I, I, I would agree. Quarterback's really easy. You can we, – we know it. It's, uh, it's pretty cut and dry. And it'll be that way unless injuries hit in camp, at least in my opinion. So uh, moving on to running backs, as you mentioned before, and there's uh, uh, a lot of new faces, you could say, um, you know, a whole bunch of new faces, even since spring. Uh, the the two big ones, obviously, are Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen, along with the other three true freshmen that uh, came in. And you you lose some faces as well from last year. No Nakia Watson, no uh, Garrett Groshek, but then you also have Isaac Garendo back and you have Julius Davis. So it's uh, it's a mix, but there's a lot of, I think a lot of excitement there, but I think it starts at the top with, with Jalen Berger. And I'm wondering if you think at any point this year, he's going to have f- uh, more than 15 carries in a game. <laughs> well, when you asked Paul Chris last season, whether he was uh, on a carry count, as you know, Paul Chris said pitch counts for baseball. So we can only assume it was a complete coincidence that in four straight games, he only carried 15 times. Yes, I think he will eclipse the 15 carry mark in a given game. For me, this is the most challenging simply because of the new faces that you mentioned. I, I would really love to see them in camp to get a better sense of where they stand. But right now, I feel like my top three is Berger, Malusi, and Garendo. And this hinges on whether Garendo can stay healthy, which we know has been an issue with his hamstring, even in spring practice. He looked great on a cut and then came up limping and really didn't do much the rest of camp uh, or, or spring practice, even though neither did the running back. But I can envision Berger stepping into that number one role. I can also envision perhaps Berger and Lucy sharing carries and Garendo as well. And I say Garendo because – He started last season in the top three. The coaching staff was extremely high on him, and he got those 11 carries in the first game and then didn't play the rest of the season. So I think they want to be able to involve him and use him, and this is going to be his fourth year in the program. Lucy's got those two years of experience at Clemson, and I just don't think that he would have transferred to Wisconsin or that the coaches would have wanted him as badly as they did if they didn't envision him playing. And Paul even said uh, sooner rather than later uh, when we were talking to him at Big Ten Media Days, that's just you want a player like that to be able to um, acclimate himself and, and create friendships. With the wild card, obviously, is Braylon Allen. Fans are rightfully thrilled that he's in the program early, super excited, and he crushed it in the spring season. But that was a spring season in Wisconsin. So, yeah, he averaged almost 15 yards a carry. He ran for 21 yards. He's so talented that this is the position they they found him at instead of safety or linebacker. But it's it's a whole different boat 
game when you're at Wisconsin uh, in the Big Ten. And he's, he's got the he's got everything you need in the weight room, the 610 pound squats. Um, but I just I don't know how quickly he's going to pick things up. I don't know whether he's going to be able to leapfrog the other three running backs who he came in with if they all stay in position. You do still have Julius Davis in there as well. So there's a lot to figure out at running back, but it's to me most interesting and intriguing to go into fall camp. Could Braylon is, is Braylon Allen a running back? I, I know that's where he's going to be starting out, but he, he the size, the strength, right. everything like that. I, I just it just feels like um, if he's going to be on offense, like could he be could he be the Alec Ingold role, like where he's just getting those goal line carries? Like I, I don't know whether he has, I know that people have questioned whether he has the speed to do it, right? Like to be at that spot. So I'm not saying he's going to be Alec Ingold, but maybe that's the role that he has this year. I, I just don't know how big of an impact he can make more than that. Like Alec Ingold tore it up in high school, you know, as a quarterback, but a lot of that was running. And uh, like as impressive as Braylon was, Alec was just as impressive. And when he got into college and he was about 245 pounds, which is about what Braylon is, you know, you could see some limitations in terms of just, you know, the speed wise having to, and he was forced into it because of injuries, right. In that, that season. But like, that was kind of his, his role. He didn't, he averaged like less than three. It was certainly less than four yards of carry. And it was, I think low in the threes. So I don't know. That's kind of where I would see him this year. If he has a role on offense. To me, Braylon is an athlete who happens to be playing running back. And if it works out great for Wisconsin, and if not, they will find him a position that fits best. I, I think the interesting thing about this is now you've got four running backs, at least at the start of fall camp, just in this 2021 recruiting class. I don't see a situation where all four of those guys stay at the position, especially when you consider that at least as of now, you've got four other scholarship running backs in Garendo, Julius Davis, Malusi, and Jalen Berger. Initially, my thought process was if somebody was going to move, that perhaps it would be, Jackson Aker. And the reason that I say that is because I felt like he had the build and the, the size and skill to potentially play a fullback, but so does Braylon Allen. I just, I don't know if it almost feels like Allen is so, so talented that, you know, is, is playing fullback enough rest. I mean, careful, maybe careful, it is Jesse. early. Careful, Jesse, careful, <laughs> Jesse. This is Wisconsin. This is fullback. You right. Don't but be, you've don't got be Chanel. Don't be talking about wasting him at fullback. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I, but I, what I'm saying is you've already got two scholarship fullbacks there, unless they think Allen is, you know, immediately the number two behind Chanel and, and they've split reps. I'm just trying to figure out what would happen freshman year for him, because yeah. to me, John Chanel is locked into that spot. And Quan Easterling, I thought was ex- one of the more ex- impressive players in the spring, just from who we got to see on offense, which frankly wasn't very many guys. I thought he was showed us some versatility. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering if, if Aker might wind up moving there. It's, it's really, it's hard to tell. Four freshman running backs on the roster. That seems hard to believe. And even when I talked to, to John Settle after he'd left for Kentucky, asked him why he picked three running backs at the time on scholarship. This was before Braylon moved. He said that he thought a couple of them could potentially play multiple positions, maybe even both ways. And he really liked Antoine Roberts or Antoine. um, Yeah. Antoine Roberts from Tennessee, but loyal Crawford and Aker are guys that could potentially move to different positions. And that's what he said. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of wiggle room there in terms of where guys could potentially play. This is the last chance for Julius Davis, man. That sounds pretty dire considering technically he's a a third year freshman. I, I mean, I don't know if he considers himself that three years in, but yeah, 
simply because if you get leapfrogged by a true freshman or even two, I don't know how you catch back up because at this point, you know, as I said, if I had to envision my top three going into fall camp, I don't think he's one of those three. That doesn't mean he can't get there, but we haven't seen him at all. Have we even seen him? You know, he took the one K photo, which came after we've yet to see him in, in a practice because he was hurt all spring. We didn't see anything in 2020. And in 2019, he was dealing with the, the surgery from the, the core. So yeah, this is, um, it's, he's still got many years left of college ball, but it's time for him to make a move. The running back depth chart, I would agree with you. Berger, Malusi, Garendo would be my top three. And then I would actually have, I would have Braylon Allen at four, even though we haven't seen him yet. And then Julius Davis at five. That'd be, that'd be my top five there. But again, a lot uh, of unknowns there with some of those names at the bottom, or even I, I should say names up and down that depth chart at running back. Uh, a lot of unknowns, exactly what it's going to look like. Wide receiver, pretty clear. Uh, at the top with Davis, Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor coming back, asked Jake Ferguson about how big of an impact it is having them. And he just had a huge smile on his face talking about it because he knows all the attention that was on him last year after those two guys went out. It won't be there this year because I think they, uh, they, it, they're difference makers. Yeah, that's exactly what Alvis Witt had said in the spring. Difference makers said those two guys can take the top off the the defense. and Well, yeah, Kendrick – they're. What did Kendrick run like a fourth? Uh, what four he, three what, seven is what he yeah. said. I mean, it's hard to dispute it. I wasn't there. I can only see the grainy footage on Twitter or whatever. But if that's accurate, my goodness, that's uh, he can fly. Uh, yeah. um, so it's just a matter of whether they're healthy, which at, at this point um, we saw what a world of difference it can make when they're not in there. And then after that, obviously, Chimray DK, the things he was able to do as a true freshman and the, the positive comments the teammates and coaches have said about him, I think. I don't know exactly what his role will be this season if Davis and Cryer are commanding more targets, but certainly that's a pretty darn good top three for Wisconsin. And I expect Jack Dunn to continue to get reps simply because the coaching staff can trust him. And after that, the, the I don't know if this is a problem, but you can consider it one potentially. It's just if there's a fifth or a sixth wide receiver who stands out, there's not many reps for you, or there's certainly not many targets for you, especially considering, as you mentioned, Jake Ferguson, he's going to get the ball an awful lot. They're still going to throw the ball to their running backs and their fullback. But the two guys who were very impressive in the spring, as I'm sure we discussed in the spring, were A.J. Abbott and Devin Chandler. And Abbott is at the point in his career, sort of like Julius Davis, where it's kind of time to make a move. I think he's ready for that role. And so is Chandler, just so explosive. He made two of the best catches in all of spring practice during the, the sessions that we had an opportunity to see. And we saw what he did as a return guy last season. So I think he's going to have an opportunity, but I am curious to see whether a guy like Abbott or Chandler can work his way in. And even the, the true freshmen that are coming in, you don't see it very often. Danny Davis was able to contribute, but Marcus Allen is a guy who I just, I, I think he can be a, a big time playmaker for this program. If it's not this season, it'll be in a year or two, especially considering that you've got three, fifth and sixth year seniors on the roster, but the numbers that he put up in high school were absolutely ridiculous. He came up with multiple big catches in the waning seconds or minutes of games. And so I think that was a, a big time get for us in recruiting. And he looks physically ready for it. I don't know if you saw him tweet the other day. He's six two two eighteen. That's not pretty impressive. You don't see that, you know, among wide receivers at Wisconsin very often. Right. Like, and I, and who knows what that, whether where, where the athleticism is along with it, I, I imagine it's probably still pretty good. But 6'2", 218 is uh, an imposing force for sure. The guys that you mentioned, 
were my top six. So yeah, Davis Pryor, pretty obvious. Yeah, Davis Pryor, DK Dunn, Chandler, and Abbott would be the top six. But then, yeah, you throw Mark Allen in there. You know, we'll see. And and Stefan Bracy as well. Like you know, obviously dealt with injuries, has dealt with injuries. We'll see. It's it's an interesting group, but it clearly, clearly, as I've said all offseason, the biggest recruiting win they had all year was getting Davis and Pryor to return for you know another senior year, which. You know, I think a lot of people said just just assumed was going to happen, but it's not necessarily like the easiest thing to do is just say, screw, I'm going to put life off for another year and come back, especially for for Kendrick Pryor, who's in year six now. Um, Moving on to tight end at the top is obviously Jake Ferguson, and uh, he seems primed for a huge senior year. Yeah, I I was we had an opportunity to talk to him at media days, um, got some one on one time with him and. The, the goals that he set, I mean, it's, it's pretty ambitious, but I, I hadn't really thought about this until he mentioned it, that the, the Mackey Award, which is every year goes to the best tight end in the country, that started in 2000. You go, you go back and you think the last two decades, Wisconsin's had some pretty darn good tight ends. Badgers have never had a tight end that won the Mackey Award, never had a tight end that was considered the best in the country in that particular year. And, you know, that's a goal that he set for himself. And he does seem very motivated. He seems physically ready when I was talking to him about some of the physical changes that he made in the last year or two. He said that he had um, the O lineman coined a term that like you're officially an O lineman when you put your Jersey on and your stomach sticks out so much that people can see your belly button. Yeah. And he said that he, he had that for the last years, but he, he got his weight down. He feels much healthier. And he also dealt with a couple injuries last season too. He yeah. tore the UCL in, in his thumb he showed me he actually has an identical scar on each thumb because he tore the UCL like right before the start of the season in, in each of the last two seasons, uh, one on the left thumb, one on the right thumb. And he still went out against Illinois and caught three touchdown passes and had a great game. And then he drove to Chicago at 3 a.m. the next morning to get surgery, never missed a game, and then dealt with some upper body injuries late in the season. So if he's healthy, I think he can wind up being – this can be – one of the best seasons we've seen from a, a tight end at Wisconsin. And there, there've been some good ones, but uh, yeah, he's obviously you start with, I think that's fair to say, I don't know. What, what are your expectations from him this season, given some of the other weapons around him? Well, I mean, I think he's going to end up being second to Travis Beckham in every receiving category among tight ends. Uh, it's, and it's going to be probably not close. And I, I guess I should have said that same thing for, for Danny Davis uh, in, in terms of the stats that he has a chance, he has a chance to be a top 10 guy, in terms of receiving all time at Wisconsin as well. And you don't really think about that with him just because uh, he's never been the guy, right? Like even, I mean, I guess he was kind of the guy when uh, they didn't have Cephas for that, that year, but that was kind of, that was kind of AJ Taylor as well, you know? So, but with, with Jake, huge expectations, right? Like the, you, if you're able to, if, you, if Davis and Pryor stay healthy and you figure something out on the ground, you know, where you're able to, to uh, threaten guys with your running game, Jake's going to have a huge year. He was off to a, a great start last year. And when everyone else went out, he was kind of the focus. And, and uh, that led to what was, uh, you know, he was still productive, obviously, but it's, it's a lot easier to go ahead and have a huge year when you're not being the only you know, person that people have to worry about on an offense. Right. And I think you're going to have more help at tight end, which we've been saying for two years now, but the three guys that he seemed most excited about uh, when talking to him are, maybe obvious candidates, but clearly Hayden Rucci because he had a, a substantial role last season, more of a blocking guy, Clay Cundiff 
And then Jack Eschenbach, who I think can be a, a contributor as a pass catcher, kind of to me is maybe more of a does both of those things, but he can catch some passes, caught a few in the spring. There's some young guys on the roster, and I know people are interested in Jalen Franklin. I mean, we haven't seen a ton of him at tight end and even in the, the spring, but coaches put him there for a reason. And we know that Paul said early last season that he brought something a little bit different to the tight end room. And just in terms of the athleticism and some of the versatility, if he can put it together, then, then there's a lot to work with at tight end. But clearly, yes, it starts with Ferguson, who I expect to be an all big 10 player and one of the best tight ends in the country this season. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, some of the other young guys like a, a Cam large, right. A guy that mm-hmm. could potentially uh, was obviously very highly recruited coming out of high school. And then a guy that Jake Ferguson mentioned last week in Indy was Jack Pugh, who did not play a ton of football in high school. He was more of a basketball player. But he said that uh, he sees him in the film room like just every time he goes up there. It's uh, he, He's so locked in on football right now. It, he was very impressed with him. When, and I, that was a question I asked him just about young guys that stood out to him. And, and Jack Pugh was one of those guys. So – We'll see. It's going to be a, it's an it's an interesting room, but clearly, obviously, Ferguson at the top of it. Turning to the offensive line, it seems pretty set with the with the starters, right? Like I, I think we again, stuff could have changed over the over the summer. We we've seen that before, where Logan Bruss, you know, was at one position in the spring and then was at another position in the fall. But I but I kind of feel like you know, assuming everyone's healthy, that Tyler Beach, Seltzner. Kane Lyles, Jack Nelson, and Logan Bruss are your, your starting five. It certainly does seem that way because Joe Rudolph didn't really rotate guys in with the first group and the practices that we saw in the spring. I think he wants those guys to get accustomed to the position, accustomed to playing together. Jack Nelson, unbelievable talent. And for him to do the, the way that he's ascended so quickly is pretty remarkable. Maybe not for you know, people who watched him in high school, but still just has a, a, a very big career ahead of him, potentially. I mean, I, I think a lot of people think that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah. he's mean and he is nasty. Like, yes. that's the other thing that stands out. He will get in your face. He did it in spring. And for a young guy, you don't often see that. I think there's some pretty special qualities there. My favorite uh, conversation of Big Ten Media Days was with Jake Ferguson about Jack Nelson and about the battles that Nelson and Jack Sanborn had in Falk in spring. And he compared it to uh, two silverback gorillas going at it in an enclosure. Uh, <laughs> there, there, there's a video of it. Anybody who listened to the last episode already heard it, but there's a video of it. And there's, there's a lady, you know, behind the glass saying, where's, where's the zookeeper? Like what, what's the zookeeper going to do uh, when these, these two guys are going at it. And that's kind of what uh, spring was like, but yeah, he's, he's got a nasty streak to him and he goes a hundred, like he's, he may make some mistakes, but he's doing them at a hundred percent, right? Like he's, he's full throttle to it. And uh, there's going to be some growing pains there, but I think you'll, you'll take that size, that attitude and that athletic ability and you'll roll with it. Yeah. Because you think of someone that size and you think, well, that's quintessential tackle. And even when, when Paul was talking about both he and Trey Wedding when they came into the program, that's what he said that essentially those guys are have quintessential tackle bodies, but it takes some versatility and athleticism to be able to slide inside and play guard, which is something that Nelson actually did in that all American bowl down in Texas. He volunteered to play guard because there was a shortage at the position and he played very well. And I think people who are listening are, you know, there's some names that we haven't mentioned, five-star guys, which tells you how deep and talented this offensive line is. 
But Logan Brown is somebody that we haven't mentioned who's in the number two spot at left tackle at this point. I think, I think people are disappointed just because he's a five-star guy. They assume that he should be dominating and he should be, he should be playing right away. Um, and it's been a couple of years now, but I think he continues to make progress. And, and I think he's going to be a, a big part of that line for multiple years, even if it doesn't happen right now, be patient. If, even if you don't want to hear it with, with Logan, I do think he's going to get there. Trey Wedig is, is interesting too. another four-star guy that came in in the last class. And, and obviously in the, the 2021 class, I mean, you couldn't do much better. You got three guys who are number one in their respective states with JP Benchwell, Nolan Rucci and Riley Malman. Rucci, very interested to see where they put him or, or how many snaps and reps he gets in fall camp. You know, big, big time get for Wisconsin. Obviously, his older brother plays tight end, but that's a five-star kid from Pennsylvania that uh, got away from Penn State. And I think it's certainly the, the future for Wisconsin at the tackle position. So they're loaded on, on the offensive line. To me, this is a quintessential Wisconsin O-line. They should be dominant. I know we've said that about other groups, and it hasn't always worked out. Even a few years ago, the, the group that had – you know, Edwards and, and Bo Benchwall and Michael Dieter, and then they seem to struggle. But with this group, it just feels like they should maul people in the trenches. Uh, as long as I, – I, I think everyone really blames you for that struggle in 2018. Uh, I blame it on Red Robin. Okay. I was going to say you for, for exposing the Red Robin. I think they um, just – they ate too much Red Robin. Maybe okay. it got to their heads. Okay. All right. I mean, I, 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 again, I, I'm not blaming you. I think that there are some that have blamed you, but I don't again. know how they even do it physically. Like I, <laughs> I've got a burger and a monster Oreo shake. Yeah. I uh, needed a few days to recover. You're slightly smaller than they are. I am maybe yeah. like more than half their size. Yeah. But depth chart wise, you, you mentioned Logan Brown at left at left tackle. Uh, you would think he would be the backup there, assuming right, right. Uh, unless he's able to overtake Tyler Beach. Um, and then, you know, at left guard in the seat in spring, we didn't get to see Joe Tipman at all. Right. Like he, right. He, he, he missed the entire spring. So I think you could uh, on my depth chart, just, you know, going through it, he's at left guard center and right guard. He's uh, a question mark at each one of them, <laughs> because I think, I think he could be the backup at any of those spots, but in the spring, Cormac Sampson played a ton of left guard uh, after being at center last year. And he was at tight end the year before that. So he's been all over the place, right? Or I shouldn't say he was at tight end, but he played tight end uh, because yeah, of injuries. Tight end, yeah. Yeah, because of injuries. So I would say Cormac Sampson's your left guard right now. At least he was in the spring. But again, Joe Tipman could factor in there. Yeah, Tipman's an interesting case because, like you said, he's extremely versatile. And, and Rudolph, I remember talking to him, was it two springs ago? So spring 2020, about him. And the plan initially was to see if he could compete for a spot at center. And obviously the way things worked out, it, there just weren't going to be enough reps for him. And he was dealing with a, an injury last season. I know we did see him very briefly just doing some snapping and skeleton drills, which was like the first time we'd seen him. But yeah, he has the talent, another four-star recruit in that 2019 class. I, I don't know where Rudolph's ultimately going to put him, but certainly I think when healthy, he'll be in position to compete spot in the two deep. Um there's just, there's a lot of guys and there's a lot of talent, but this is his third year in the program. Yeah. And I, and I wonder if, you know, maybe Cormac is, goes back to center, you know, potentially he's, he's the center and Tipman's backup guard. I, I don't, I don't know that, but you know, last year when, when uh, Lyles w- wasn't available and Samson wasn't available, it was uh, Tanner Borlini right at right. center. And that's kind of where, and he was, you know, in that spot in the spring is, is he your backup at this point? I guess it depends. It depends what they do. And if, if, if 
Rudolph feels like Tittman can be the backup center, then I think he's going to be the backup center. Um, I mean, I don't know. Bordellini, I thought, did a very admirable, admirable job. I would be inclined to pick t- Tittman unless they put him at guard. So it's just a lot of what ifs. And that's why even the 30 minute viewing session that we get on Friday, assuming we don't only see stretching will be very helpful to figure out what's Rudolph's thought process with these guys. Yeah, for sure. At, at right guard, you would think it would be Michael Furtney. Uh, at least yeah. that, that was the way it was in the spring. And then uh, Trey, Wedig, Trey Wedig at, at uh, right tackle behind Logan Bruss. Again, those are what we saw in the spring. It's kind of what we have to go off, you know, heading into fall camp on Friday. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Life is back on sports betters and BetUS has your Major League Baseball, NFL, college football, NBA, college basketball, everything else. Got all their betting lines up for their 27th year and live betting on all of it. You can log in to BETUS.com or call 800-792-3887. That's 800-79-BETUS. BetUS for 125% bonuses with our promo code the zone 125 again that's the zone 125 put that as the promo code customer service pros ready to get your phone social and online sports betting kicked off right now play with your proven mainstay in the industry bet us you bet you win you get paid betus.com switching over to the other side of the ball uh, defensive line. They lose Isaiah Loudermilk. They lose Garrett Rand, but they get Matt Henningsen back, who missed uh, a large portion of the season, got injured against Michigan and didn't play again. Uh, he is back. So too is uh, Isaiah Mullins, who uh, saw a lot of time last year. Those seemingly would be your two starting defensive ends, but I think, uh, you know, Rodas Johnson had a really good spring. We'll see what happens with Isaac Townsend, the, the new incoming, uh, the kid from uh, Oregon. And uh, then also James Thompson Jr. Where is he at health-wise coming back? But I think Henningsen and Mullins are, would be your top two at defensive end. Yep, I think that's pretty clear at this point. There's not a ton of experience after Henningsen, but Mullins did play 100-plus snaps last season. And then you know with nose guard, certainly Keanu Benton and Bryson Williams. And, and Benton, and may have talked about this on the last episode, but he's – I think he's in the most interesting position just because of how explosive and talented he is that you want to, if you're Wisconsin, figure out more ways to get him on the field. And especially when Wisconsin does play five defensive backs, there's only two defensive linemen on the field. If you think he has the skill and talent, can he be the guy who's on the field on those reps, maybe with him and Henningsen? I don't know exactly what it would look like, but I mean, I, you know, Wisconsin did play in the nickel 68% of its defensive snaps last season. That's an awful lot of snaps. Um, so that, I mean, yeah, the, the, but the names you mentioned are the ones that I think have an opportunity to contribute. It's just a matter of, of how it shakes out and really what Ross Kalaji wants to do with the, the defensive line in his first year as a coach. I mean, how many guys does he legitimately see playing? Does he want to rotate snaps? Does he just want to try to keep his best guys on the field all the time, which we've seen at linebacker, especially on the inside? Yes, that that's for sure. And, uh, there's obviously going to be some kind of a rotation, but I'm just, yeah. Where does Keanu Benton line up and can they play him? Because there is so much sub package stuff. Can he play in the nickel more often than he has in the past? And and maybe in the past, they haven't necessarily needed it when, when uh, Garrett Rand is healthy or Isaiah Laudermilk is healthy and those two guys could play. You didn't necessarily need to see uh, Keanu Benton, but he's your, he's your, he's one of your best 
defensive players, right? Like, and um, I, I wanted to say, if not the best, but I, th- I think maybe the linebackers would have some say over that. Yeah. Um, but Keanu is a playmaker and is key to that defensive line, and you need to use him and, and get him on the field. And if teams are constantly forcing you to, to go to sub packages, which is what college football is, what football is these days, then you have to be able to get your best guy in the field. And, and can he play some more in the nickel? Right, which is what we're going to find out in the fall. But obviously this isn't, you know, it's not like it's going to be news to Keanu when he gets to fall camp. This is something that he's been building up to and working on. And so, you know, we'll see how much progress he's made and what the coaching staff thinks about where they want to put him. But that's what it comes down to. You want to take advantage of the players that you have in in college football. And and because he can be a difference maker and and, and an impact guy, do you really only want him on the field, you know, 20% of the time or something like that? You want to try to get him on the field more. So if he can be that guy, then he will for Wisconsin. Yeah. Outside linebacker, you look at it, everyone comes back. Like this linebacker crew is back exact as it was last year. Uh, yeah. You know, you get you get Noah Burks to return for a sixth year. And uh, Nick Herbig, who had a really nice freshman, uh, true freshman season, those are your two front guys. And then you've got a whole bunch of options behind them. And, and Spencer Lytle, C.J. Getz, uh, Aaron Witt, uh, Green uh, Isaiah Green May like and then even past that you have some of the young guys coming in too like TJ Bowlers or Daryl Peterson like it's an exciting group but at the top it's familiar faces. Yeah, Wisconsin's got a, a pretty loaded linebacker room all the way around just because of what you said that everybody who played is back and when we talked to Bobby April in the spring he said that I mean I'm surprised about the top two guys but the three guys he was looking to see if they could take step forwards and a step forward in the spring. We're CJ Getz, Spencer Lyle, and Aaron Witt. And he felt like those guys had did that. And, you know, Witt didn't play a ton, but when he came in, he made an impact late last season. I think he and Getz are, I mean, they they might be the the guys that make the two deep, but Lytle, if he can stay healthy, certainly will be in the mix too. And there there's a lot of help with uh, behind Burks and, and Herbig. And I, I mean, Herbig, what a – a strong start to his college career. I'll put it that way to be able to come in and earn the starting role as a true freshman and then do the things that he did um, a future star at the position. To me, the guy that we've sort of been waiting on forever feels like is Isaiah Green May. He's an old guy. He hasn't necessarily been able to stay open the season a few years as a starter, then suffered a thumb injury and just wasn't able to, to make it back. You know, can he be more consistent? Can he get into the mix? because he does have something a little bit different. He sees so long and lanky and can, can alter, you know, the way the quarterback delivers the ball just because he can get his arms up there. I want to see what he can do when healthy. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think any of those young guys, whether it was a bowlers or, or anybody else can push for playing time or is there just too many bodies in front of them? There's an awful lot of guys. And even if you're, you're pretty talented and you know, there's a, a big learning curve and obviously Herbig was able to do it in bowlers well in Rolly. And I thought he, he had some impressive plays in the spring. There was one that I remember where he was like deep down the, the right sideline in coverage uh, mm-hmm. and helped to like break up a, a long pass. And it was like, wow, like for a guy who's as big as he is, that was pretty impressive. Was able to move. So maybe that the, the 15th spring practices he got can help propel him into a bowl, but yeah, I mean, it sort of looks like you've got five guys that you know what you're going to get, and I just I don't see anybody else necessarily leapfrogging unless there are injuries, which we've seen happen before. Uh, at the inline, inside linebacker spot, they're they're loaded at the top again. Jack Samborn and uh, Leo Chanel, they come back. Two of the better inside linebackers, two of the better linebackers in the Big Ten last year, and 
now figured to be all Big Ten level guys this year. It, you know, Jack Sanborn already was, but I think Leo, Leo will be there as well. Um, those those are the known, and then they kind of have some proven uh, a proven guy, Mike Mascalunas, behind them, and Muma Namjeta also there. It's a it's a nice group, but it really because of the way that they they want to play those guys. It's really about Sanborn and Chanel. Right. It's very similar to what it was last year. It's just you have a little more experience behind them. And does Bob Bosted trust some of those guys to play? Because, you know, Bosted mentioned in, in the spring as well that he he's going to play the best guys until he can't play them anymore, which is what he said about Sanborn and Chanel. And that's why those two guys played more snaps on defense than anybody else on the defense. And I really don't expect that to change much this season. I mean, why would you want to take them off the field if they're healthy and they're being effective? But John Meta is somebody that I think did stand out in the spring. And this was really our, our first opportunity just to see what he could do in a, in a setting like that. And he, he was really able to affect the quarterback. And again, you can't, you can't level the quarterback, can't hit the quarterback in spring practice or fall camp, but he was right there. And last year was, and I wrote about this, we had a chance to talk to him in the spring, just a wild, ridiculous year for him because yeah. of everything that he went through. He had, uh, he had an injury from lifting weights in the spring and then he, he got COVID and then the doctors weren't sure, well, does he have a heart issue that's related to COVID? And eventually he was cleared and then he offered a, a groin injury and was out the whole season until the bowl game. So we never got a chance to see him. I mean, Bosted did say, you know, it's him, it's, it's Mike Mascalunas, and then it's, it's Tate Grass. Those are the three guys that are vying for more snaps behind Sanborn and Chanel. And he feels more confident that, the, that those guys have the, have his trust really. So add it in that factor. And there's a lot of guys, um, which I think is also why Malik Reed, right. came in at inside linebacker. He transferred out. I mean, there, there's a lot of players, um, a lot of players too, with three, three in this recruiting class, one of which is, is ben Sanborn. That's, that's Jack's younger brother. So very talented group, but I think it's going to be more of the same. It's going to be a lot of Sanborn and Chanel and, and understandably so. I'm wondering what you think about uh, one of those other true freshmen that, that are coming in that we Rats don't really staff. know. Yeah. Thank you. I was going to say that, but uh, yes, Jake Ratzlaff, <laughs> where, where do we envision him going? Is he going to be inside linebacker? I, I think so. I mean, the, I just wonder what can this guy do when he's only focusing on football because he was an unbelievable hockey player uh, in Minnesota and still put up monster numbers on football field. I, obviously, there's a lot of upside for guys that didn't really focus exclusively on football. You talked about Jack Pugh at tight end, for example, that he didn't even go out for football in high school until he was a junior because he was a basketball player. So when these guys get in a Wisconsin strength and conditioning program, they get in the weight room and they just I think the sky's the limit for them. And, and certainly Ratzlaff is extremely intriguing at that position. And I, I do see him staying there and, and, and being in the mix, not this year, but soon enough. Uh, moving on to cornerback where it's, it's really pretty much the same uh, cast of characters. Uh, you know, Fayon Hicks comes back is or I should say is back. Caesar Williams returns for a sixth year. And then it's a whole bunch of other guys that have played a bunch of football. I mean, Samar Melvin, Dante Burton, Deron Harrow, Alex Smith, Dean Engram. Go on down the list of guys that have either started or played a bunch of football already. But at the top, it's Hicks and Williams. I think the interesting thing is, uh, in talking to Fayon last week, 
uh, I asked him about being in the slot. Like if he was going to, if that was going to be the role that he was going to fill again. And, and he kind of, kind of shrugged his shoulders. Like he thinks they're working a whole bunch of other, they're working a whole bunch of guys in there. Um, certainly he's going to be there, but he kind of felt like he's going to be able to travel with guys and uh, they're going to play a little bit more matchup as opposed to at times last year where they were just staying on, on their sides, like where he can probably stick with a little guy that's a little bit quicker and put Caesar Williams and, you know, him being six one and being as long as he is can be on some of the taller guys. And, you know, you have all these different body types in that room and they're going to try and take advantage of them. I think that may be the, uh, may the slight change maybe uh, with having Hank Poteet being uh, the cornerback coach. Yeah. I wrote a story about Hicks that's running this week. And I think you look at some of the stats and it doesn't, it doesn't jump off the page to you. Like last year, he had 13 tackles and four pass breakups, but I mean, he, he's the best covered corner that they had, at least statistically when pro football focus does all these numbers. Um, he had the highest coverage grade of, of anybody on the roster other than Titus Toller, who only played 13 snaps last season. So I don't even think that's a fair comparison. He just does a lot of the, the little things that maybe go unnoticed and he wants to be able to impact the game more and, and get more takeaways. He's only had one pick in his career here. doesn't have any forced fumbles, but, but yeah, he's extremely, extremely versatile. Excuse me. And, and Jim Leonard talked in the spring about just the, the job that he did in stepping in for Rashad Wild Goose last season and then playing as many did in the slot. I think it was, he didn't play any snaps in the slot the first two games and then played 209 snaps over the, the next five games. And then, then I thought it was pretty effective. So I can, I can certainly see him moving around and doing a lot of different things, but you're right. And they worked, they worked several guys in the slot too in the spring. So Caesar and, and Fayon are obviously two key guys, multi-year starters. And then, the, the two that stood out the most in the spring, which we talked about back then, were Dean Ingram and um, Alex Smith. And, you know, Hank Poteet was, was very high on them. But you've still got three guys who have started games. We just maybe haven't talked about them very much lately. Deron Harrell, who's been around for a long time. Dante Burton and Sparm Melvin, who got those two starts as a freshman, including in the Big Ten Championship game. So there's definitely a lot to work with at corner. And they did all talk about, you know, when we, we talked to him in the spring about how much of a difference they think it makes to have Hank Poteet, a, a, a specific position coach at cornerback, instead of Jim Leonard, for as great as he is as a coach, to be the defensive coordinator, to be the safeties coach, to be the cornerbacks coach. I think it's going to make a big difference with the corners this year. I completely agree. Completely agree. Um, who is that third corner behind Hicks and Williams? Do you think? Well, I, I, I guess I'll go with Smith. <laughs> um, <laughs> at least, it, I mean, because it sort of felt like a toss-up in the spring, just be, between Ingram and Smith. But like, like when I was saying before, if you're if you've got five DBs on the field almost seventy percent of the time, then whoever that third guy is is going to be awfully darn important. Um, right. So. They're going to play more than three. I don't know if it's going to be eight in a game like Leonard used to do, but you've got enough guys to potentially do that and keep them fresh and rotate. So even if I were to say that it's Smith, I mean, it could be Ingram, but it could be those other three guys that I mentioned too. And I, I think all of them are going to play in some capacity. I agree. He didn't get a ton of time in spring because I think he was still dealing with some injuries but or an injury, but Samar Melvin, I think, would yeah. be the guy that I think of those – three others would step up and, and potentially step in there. We'll see if uh, the last few years have taught us anything. You're right. All of them are going to play at some point. Uh, safety. You get, obviously uh, you lose Eric Burrell, but you get uh, Colin Wilder back and you get Scott Nelson. He's also uh, returning. So those are your two starters. 
behind them is I think I think that they have bodies there that they like, but there's uh, some some pretty significant unknowns just in terms of lack of playing time and, and inability to stay healthy with at least one of them. And Travion Blaylock, who mm-hmm. has just I think teased some of it like he's teased that he can be a good player but he just cannot stay on the field and that was the same way in the spring like if he stays on the field i think he can contribute and then the other guys obviously john torchio can titus toller stay healthy and then the wild card there i think would be um the true freshman wooler yeah when i talked to madison cone after he transferred out he was extremely high on blaylock i mean it's it's easy to see why when you when you watch some of the reps of him working out but that's if he can stay healthy um that I think he's in position to be a contributor. The th- the three that are really vying for snaps behind Nelson Wilder are, are Blaylock, Titus Toller, and John Torchio. Um, that's certainly the way it seemed in the spring. I was impressed with Preston Zachman. It's not like I expect him to come in and contribute this season, but just the fact that they moved him to safety and he made some nice plays, had some pass breakups, showed some natural ability. He played a million positions in high school, so um, he's used to moving around and, and also being a defensive back. Yeah, the the one that I think uh, certainly a lot of us are most eager to see is is Hunter Wohler. The kid just dominated at the high school level in Wisconsin, and his high school coach told me. I mean, he's he's never seen a kid do what he did to to dominate defensively the the way that he did. I, there was a when I, I wrote a story about Hunter, there was a, a play. I think it was a state championship game, um, which they won a lot of games. But he came up and just out of nowhere stuffed this guy on a fourth and one. Um, and it was a turnover on downs and it was just the most lethal hit. And he was a sophomore at the time. And it's just, he's got so many special qualities that, um, it's going to be very interesting to see what he can do. I don't know if fall camp is enough time to make up ground, but man, you don't see many four-star guys or any really at that position come out of the state. Really it was him and Braylon Allen, but Braylon's not playing safety now. So it's Hunter Wooler. I don't think, I don't think Hunter is going to grow out of safety. Whereas no, he is a safety. Yeah. Braylon has grown out of safety and grown out of a lot of things. Um, yeah. You've, you've recruited pretty well there, right? Like I think, you know, uh, obviously Titus Toller was a big get and, mm-hmm. and Hunter Wohler was a big get getting those guys, you know, be able to stay on the field and, and tra- even Trayvon Blaylock. And I know obviously he was a corner coming out, but they, they've won some recruiting battles there. And now we'll get, hopefully we get to see those guys on the field and, and be able to stay on the field. Um, yeah, Toller was a Colorado flip, and, and Wohler basically picked Wisconsin over Ohio State. So that was, you know, even though he's an in-state kid, that was no small feat. No, no doubt. Getting into special teams, kicker. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> talking to Chris Herring in the spring, um, they want both these guys to, uh, to do all the kicks, right? Uh, Jack Van Dyke, Colin Larsh. I'm, I'm not sure. Any, do we – I don't know. Do you feel comfortable with either one of them at this point? I should say, no. I should say, <laughs> I, I mean, I feel picking like, a starter. Yeah. Like Colin Larsh, like I feel good about him under 30. No, I should right. say that's, that's not fair. Uh, under 40, you feel, I mean, you feel good about that, but outside of that, I, you know, it's not, it's, it's not been a very easy feeling. I think if you're Wisconsin. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why Chris Herring said it was going to be a competition into the fall, which is understandable that they had their good days and their bad days, even in the spring, it comes down to who's going to be the most consistent and who can they trust. And Van Dyke clearly has a big leg, but can he be as consistent, if not more than Larsh? I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is right now. Cause it really it was a coin flip in the spring out of the spring. So we'll see what happens there. But one of those two is going to be the kicker. 
And we know how big of a difference, um, you know, having a, a consistent kicker can make, especially when you get to, I mean, what happens when you get to the 25 yard line and you got a 42 yard field goal and you can't, you can't trust your kicker, uh, to, to take that kick, to take and make it. So yeah, there's a lot to figure out there. Again, I mean, Colin Larsh did make the game winner against Minnesota. So you have to give him credit for that in a pressure situation, right? Like there's, yep. I'm not really sure there's more pressure than, than he's, that he's felt in his life than that kick. So punter, Andy Vujinovic is, is the guy and he has seemingly has had a solid off season with some of the camps that he's been at. He's even jacked more than he was last <laughs> year. Yeah, they may have if, if Jack Van Dyke wins that, they may have the biggest punting and kicking combination in football, in college football. I mean, you got Vujinovic is listed at 6'3, 237. You got 6'5, Jack Van Dyke. Come on now. Yeah, I thought Vunovic had a really good first year here. I didn't really know what to expect because he was transferring from D3 because his numbers weren't great. But those numbers were also impacted by maybe not having the strongest line blocking in front of you, you know, with blocked punts and stuff like that. But I, I, yeah, they they've they found a good one in in him getting transferred from D three. So they, I think you know what you're going to get. It's, I mean, he wants to be a little more consistent. There's no doubt about it. Like you look at the first punt that he had against Illinois, and it was a he boomed that thing like way down near the end zone. And the next one, he kind of shanked out of bounds, and that's one thing he's been working on. But um, I think they've they've found the right guy at the position. Yeah, I mean, he averaged forty one yards, forty one point six uh, yards per kick, had a long of sixty. Yeah, I mean it's, it, it was a it was good. It was good. It was it was better than the uh, it's better than the kicking game for sure. Got to figure out the long snapper though. Yes, or at right? least the second long snapper. Right. Yeah. Uh, who do you have, Jesse? As the second long snapper, or the starter. Who's the starter? Peter Bowden. Yeah, wasn't he uh, <laughs> long snapping in the spring? If you say so. Yeah, Duncan McKinley suffered a season-ending uh, injury. Yeah, so that that would be something to figure out. He tore his ACL during spring practice, so it was basically Peter Bowden and then Marty Stry was the number two, which um, I know Herring said they were going to look into finding somebody else. Um, but I guess Wisconsin should just hope that starting long snapper stays healthy. No more Adam Bay, though. Couldn't be no. more consistent in the last four years, but I think Bowden is a pretty solid guy to, to step in. Pretty shocked that Adam Bay couldn't find a job in the NFL. Like, couldn't even get an invite to to a job in the NFL. That, that was a little bit surprising. Um, Maybe it's a club. Like once you're in, you just, you never leave. You just long snap for 20 years. That's unless you, yeah. I mean, people only know long snappers unless they mess up. So, right. um, So then uh, your returners, you know, last year, um, you know, punt returning, it was Dina, I mean, Dean Engram had him, had a bunch of them. Uh, Danny Davis before he got hurt was back there a couple of times. Uh, who's your punt returner? Is it, or is it, or do they go back to Jack Dunn now that he's not the number one wide receiver? I don't think that they will go back to him, but I don't know because Ingram, I mean, the yeah. numbers weren't great. And I think Dunn, <laughs> <laughs> this is a bit mild. What? like Dunn had a very solid year two years ago. I know some people want to hate on him because, you know, he, I don't know why he's Jack Dunn, but like two years ago, he was one of the better punt returners in the Big Ten. So I, I don't know. I mean, you've got both his options. Jesse, you know exactly why people want to hate on Jack Dunn because he's five seven. Because he's from the because he's a, was a, a walk on. Because I don't because he does he doesn't field uh, punts always cleanly. Is that number one reason why? 
<laughs> no, it's not. But um, either way, it uh, yeah, I think Dean Engram's a possibility. Stephen, uh, Stephen Bracey, obviously, before he got before he got hurt, was the the kickoff returner and was actually pretty good. But then Devin Chandler came along and I, I and it was one big return, right? Like it was that that big return of the bowl game that kind of yeah. kind of stood out. But he had six uh, six returns for 156 yards in that 59 yard that kind of rejuvenated or I shouldn't say rejuvenated, but got Wisconsin going in the bowl game after they yeah. had fallen behind, uh, fallen down early. One thing about the punt returner before we go on to kick returner is uh, it was interesting that they actually had uh, Ingram and Dunn on the field at the same time, occasionally in spring practice. And Dunn was talking about that. Like they might use that technique when Wisconsin faces a rugby style punter that could, could spray the ball either way. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Just looking at the numbers Dunn averaged 8.3 yards per punt in 2019 and that was number one of the Big Ten, and, and Ingram averaged one point six yards. So we we saw the dual returners last year too. Danny Davis is back there with Dunn mm-hmm. in those early games. So so it could be an option. Yeah. Um, but with kick returner, I, I mean, it's almost like a toss up. They were they were both excellent. I mean, you know, Bracy he had a thirty three yard return against Michigan, and then he got hurt or he didn't play, and Chandler took over. And Chandler's just such a dynamic talent that, that he had a 59 yard return against Wake Forest. Um, so I think either of those guys would be good options for Wisconsin. And, I mean, they're, they're in a good place there at least. Yeah. And, and the thing is you only get so many returns, right? Like I, I, right. I was, I'm looking at these numbers and I'm like, gosh, they didn't really have that many opportunities. Cause there's so many people are just putting the ball. A lot, I should say a lot of people are putting the ball, you know, through the end zone or you're, you're calling for a fair catch. Now I know Wisconsin, that's not really Wisconsin's thing doing that but you know they only had 13 total returns last year so they also only played seven games so you know i mean there's potential for two five returns yeah two a game yeah and, and again they didn't they didn't give up a ton of points so you're not getting a lot of opportunities for kick returns um so i think that that's part of it as well we'll see it's uh it's going to be an interesting fall camp uh, there are certainly questions i think we have more questions uh on offense than we do defensively but defensive line you know, some of the ba- the, the backup or the, the third corner is going to be a battle. Which which battle of all these are, are you interested to see? Which ones stand out to you the most? Well, running back is number one, just because yeah. I don't know what I don't know what the answer is. And there's a lot of we've been talking about and hearing about for such a long time. Can they put it together? Can they stay healthy? And it's just it's one of the most important positions that Wisconsin has. And, they're you know, they've had the the guys who are Doke Walker Award winners. So what what level will Wisconsin? be at because clearly last year that they they struggled in that position group um will they take a step forward and there's just so many new faces yeah no doubt you're you're right that's uh that's obvious right yeah we'll see it's gonna be fun uh gonna be fun to actually see some fall camp we didn't get to see it last year uh for obvious reasons and hopefully we get to see it as much as possible this fall and and heading into September 4th, but we'll be back. Uh, Badger's going to be holding their media day, their local media day on Thursday, which is always a huge, huge uh, information gathering event for us, uh, getting a chat with the assistant coaches and then also um, uh, starting practice on Friday. And we'll get to see about a half an hour of that. And then we will uh, do another show and, and we'll talk about what we learned on Thursday and what we saw on Friday. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. Looking forward to it. Until next time, you've been listening to the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.